Hi, and welcome to Becoming Less, an Edmontonian journey to less waste, less impact, less consumption, and less clutter. Becoming Less is brought to you by Waste Free Edmonton, and together we're dedicated to waste reduction efforts, big and small. I'm Biz, and today I'm here with Mel, who is going to nerd out with me about mushroom picking. Hi, Mel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. So tell us what we mean by mushroom picking. So we, uh, I particularly, um, I'm looking for the edible mushrooms, but I mean, honestly, all mushrooms are just fantastic, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I love finding all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of variety in terms of what you can find, especially just around the city, like in your backyard or in a nearby pond or even by the side of the road. So it's really interesting. Yeah, and I understand that you even host mushroom picking forays. Yeah, uh, so I... I'm involved with the Alberta Mycological Society, and uh, I'm still quite new to to them and their uh, community, but it is one of the most welcoming and diverse and open communities that I've ever taken part of. And you can just tell that the people that are involved are so passionate about mushrooms and fungi and love sharing their knowledge as well. Yeah, and you and I went on a foray together this time last year. And that's how we met. Yeah. And this year you're hosting, right? Yeah, it's at the same park. It's it's awesome. It's uh, Gold Bar Park. Um, and it's a lovely area, really, really well uh, trafficked um, and definitely very forested, very abundant in mushrooms this time of year. I, I feel like... I feel like the same as last year where, um, you, you know, you spend the whole summer seeing mushrooms and like taking pictures of them when you're on your hikes and stuff. And then around the fall, you're like, well, hang on a second, let's dive into this. And then you find the AMS and then you, you find people and it's a little bit too late in the season to do anything else. So you have to kind of wait. So there's a, there's a ton of new people, um, this foray. And right now that I'm talking to over email that I've never been on a foray before, but they're missing out because they're replying too late or, Mm. you know, it's the end of the season. So Right. So you're going to possibly host another one. That's nice. It's nice that it got full. That's really nice for you. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be a big success. So Now we're following like the COVID protocols. So when we're gathered, there's masks and uh, I'm bringing hand sanitizer and everyone seems to be fairly courteous in that regard. Um, either they're, they're completely vaxxed or uh, maintain distance and whatnot, which is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, there's, a, there's a cap of 20 people. So it's, it's not huge, but it's 20 people, right? So mm-hmm. did you fill up because you looked like you were pretty full last time I heard anything? Yeah, it was it was really full. Uh, we got enough people that I might host another one next week, um, or even in the middle of the week. Um, after this one so okay yeah I've gone there myself to grab some honey mushrooms what are you hunting for a honey mushroom is the the big one because they are just everywhere now they're so abundant but then there's also some coral fungus that are a great uh, seafood alternative they they kind of have this look and feel and taste of a slight seafood flavor it's very nice Oh, you can find those there? I've seen them in Mill Creek Ravine, but I'll have to go look. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not as um, common as the honey fungus, because uh, the honey fungus is uh, parasitic, so it'll 
attach itself to any living tree that it can consume and just fruit abundantly at the base. So they're quite easy to find right now. So we're really doing the trees a favor by picking them and eating them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent bonus. I love picking mushrooms. Um, my I got into it with morels about 10 years ago, and I'm slowly learning more and more and more. Uh, is there anything else you're looking for on this foray right now? In terms of mushrooms, I think anything and everything, I really do like to identify them. So even if they're not edible, it's still really good to familiarize yourself with them. Uh, there are some, of course, that are used medicinally. So there are, I couldn't name any off the top of my head that are specifically at this foray location, but there are a ton of polypores and conchs out there and mushrooms that are used medicinally and uh, like as an everyday type of medicine as well. For those out there who don't know anything about mushrooms, can you describe polypores and conchs? So polypores and conchs are essentially like a little shelf on a tree and they kind of they, they can range in size so some of them are really tiny and I kind of describe them as fairy stairs or fairy like steps they're very cute and then there are some that are gigantic um, but they're very tough and fibrous and they're not really considered edible uh, because they the, the majority of the fibers that they use they use with their own um, production so they're very woody very tough but because of that, a lot of them absorb the benefits of the trees and the nutrients in the trees. And uh, especially when they're dry, too, some of them can be burned to kind of give off this lovely incense-y smell. Oh, that's cool. I heard that some of those can start fires really well, too. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the tinder conch. Uh, that was actually, that one's used by survivalists to carry the embers of one fire to their next fire location. So, you know, you might not, not have a ton of matches or fire starting materials in your kit, and it's just easier to kind of use it as a cup, essentially. Um, and that's one of the ones that I love because it burns so, so fragrantly. So it's, it's very cool to share that one. That one's probably my, my, my first kind of uh, mushroom to, to introduce to people when I'm talking about uh, mushroom foraging. That's your go-to. Yeah. Well, it's one of the ones, yeah, because they're everywhere uh, all year round. They, they don't have a, a specific season or anything. So they, they just kind of add every year and they get slowly bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's cool. I uh, When I found that out, I was like, what? Mushrooms can burn? Like, aren't they squishy and wet? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was really cool when I found that out too. So how did you get started into mushrooms? Oh, it's so complicated. I grew up uh, kind of being surrounded by nature, but not really being taught too much about it or taught to appreciate it. So every once in a while, I would come across this mushroom as a kid and just kind of appreciate it for its size and shape, but never really get to know anything more about it. So uh, as an adult, I think that interest just kind of started to gain traction. Um, and in 2020, when everything shut down, I figured I would dive a little bit more into the interests that I never really got to expose myself to. So it was started more with foraging edible plants. Um, and then I realized, oh yeah, mushrooms are right beside those plants in most cases. And I joined the Mycological Society shortly after that, and here we are now. And the advantage of being able to forage for mushrooms or any plants really is that there's food like everywhere around us all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we get so much processed 
food from all over the world when there really is so much just in our backyard? Yeah, actually, yeah, that was uh, something that really stuck out to me was that even the, the fresh produce, quote unquote fresh, that you find in a grocery store can be up to a few weeks old. Like that, that's not fresh. So <laughs> I turned to, I turned to the stuff that's, yeah, growing in your backyard and people call them weeds because they're unwanted, but they're, they're growing in sometimes some really, uh, tough to grow places and very hardy, healthy plants and fungi. So why not take advantage of that? So I've been going on foraging walks myself this year, um, being toured and learning so, so, so much. So I'm like getting better at identifying the trees and berries and all that. Other than mushrooms, are there any like go-tos that you have for foraging? Other than mushrooms, uh, berries are definitely top favorites. Pretty much there's a full like summer, every like few weeks, there's a different kind of a berry in season. And it's just fun to be able to go on a walk and... And in some cases, the berries are maybe too small to take home and process, but they're a nice like trail snack as you're walking along and looking for other things. As long as you know which ones to look for. Yes, there is actually a surprising amount of berries that you do not want to eat. <laughs> it's important to know the difference. Yeah. My foraging walks were hosted by the host of the show From the Wild. Have you seen that? No, no. It's uh, like an ongoing series that's all about getting your food from the wild. And it's been fascinating. I uh, have learned so much this year, as I'm sure you have with the Mycological Society. It's just amazing how the, the problem I have is that a lot of the food is stuff that you have to make something out of to make an ingredient to cook with. And I'm not really a mm -hmm. cook. That's why I love mushrooms because mm -hmm. they're already food. <laughs> like, you just cook them yes. and eat them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there, in fact, are some that you have to cook uh, before you can eat, like morels or uh, shaggy parasols. But yeah, in most cases, there's not a lot of complications to what you have to do before they're considered consumable. Right? Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah. if you want to use a tree, for example, you can get syrup out of many different kinds of trees. But, I mean, it's processing the syrup, but then the syrup is still just an ingredient, and you have to do that, something with that. And that just, that whole processing time, like, just let me pick the mushrooms, mm -hmm. let me pick the berries, and just, I can eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy the aspect of uh, how ephemeral mushrooms are. They don't really last for, for a long time, so you really do have to familiarize yourself with not only the location that you're foraging in, which you might be foraging in, in a few different kinds of, of uh, environments, but also the like, span of the year, the weather, those types of things. So foraging in itself becomes kind of a, a treasure hunt with, when you can eat the treasure afterwards, and mm -hmm. that really appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun as you're like, oh, it's time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to go and get some sarsaparilla soon. So I'm excited about that. I didn't. Yeah, I, ha I haven't given them a try either. The, the sarsaparilla roots. Yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere in my uh, my neighborhood. Yeah. They're pretty much everywhere all over the city, it turns out. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna make some soda, I think. It'll be something oh, awesome. sort of similar to root beer. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. I'm, I'm looking forward to that type of my my husband calls it witching around or like 
making potions. Anything, anything from cooking to to prepping things or uh, making, you know, candles or whatnot. But um, that type of stuff really appeals to me too. That it's something you get to do with your hands, very tactile. Yeah. Yeah, whenever mm -hmm. I, like, bring mushrooms home or whatever it is and I start, like, processing them, because usually I end up drying my mushrooms. Not all of them dry mm -hmm. well, but, like, if they can, that's what I do. And, yeah, my husband, yeah. too, is like, okay, I'm just going to leave you to this, <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> you're doing in here. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's great. And it's it's awesome, too, when you have a small group involved because everyone has the – I mean, everybody's got at least two eyes, right? So everyone adds a little bit extra because they're looking maybe for something that's more yellow or maybe they're shorter so they're closer to the ground. Like kids are coming along and mm. they can see different kinds of things as long as they know how to point it out and have someone help them identify stuff. It's it's a really fun thing to do. So, yeah, my, my husband doesn't really um, participate in the, those hobbies, but he's sure good at spotting some mushrooms that I've missed. <laughs> yeah, my husband is is like that with geocaching. I was like, he's not really into it, but man, he is determined when he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's he awesome. will find them. I, I should try to try to get him out looking for mushrooms because I bet he would be an asset. I bet he would mm -hmm. find a few friends that are like minded and uh, want to get into familiarizing themselves with fungi as well because it really is. There are some. Um, minute differences between completely edible varieties and very poisonous kinds yeah sometimes it's sometimes it's really distinct like there's a definite distinction between the two but you have to know what that is because you're right it could be uh like with field mushrooms if the base is yellow don't eat it right mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> but otherwise yeah. they look very 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 similar yeah yeah, absolutely. And that's that's my issue with the Facebook groups is that you might have beautiful identifying photos of the top of the cap, the side, the gills. Those things are all quite important. But maybe the smell is the distinct identifier in this case. And if you weren't there right when you picked it or right when you cut it, that smell is gone forever and no one will really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and getting out with a group of people, especially a group of experienced people is invaluable mm -hmm. so yeah yeah mm -hmm, absolutely i would say it's it's also pretty important to learn the uh, scientific or the latin names of these mushrooms because the common names are something that can vary between your your geographical location so someone might call something a fly agaric in one place uh, but sometimes it might be called the Amanita in another, and you really do want to make sure that you are talking about that same mushroom when you're talking about a mushroom. Mm. Um, so learn the Latin names, familiarize yourself. It'll help you identify other mushrooms in that family or genus, and it is really surprisingly useful. That's uh, that's the same thing with highbush cranberries. Apparently, in the east, they also have highbush cranberries, which look very, very, very similar. Not the same thing, oh. and those ones are really gross. <laughs> Oh my. Yeah. The host from those those from the wild tours, he mm -hmm. even said like he was he was like, I get caught some high bush cranberries from the east. They were not the same. Like Oh my goodness. They fooled a very experienced forager because they looked the same and they were called the same thing, not the same thing. Oh no. 
So yeah, they weren't poisonous, thankfully, but <laughs> they were just not very tasty at all. Yeah, that's not enjoyable. No. Ugh. Although there are some things that some people enjoy the taste of that others don't, and they're still technically edible. Like mountain ash is mm -hmm. edible, and some people will use it, but I've heard it's also yeah. really gross, the berries. Oh, um, that's something quite similar with mushrooms. Um, depending on what uh, foraging guide or field book you end up with, some of them will say that certain mushrooms are edible, some of them are edible with caution, and some of them they just say don't eat it all. But some of those reasons are down to whether it looks like a certain toxic species or whether it's only edible when young. Some of them don't really specify why it's not edible. So if you are not certain whether it truly is or not, that's something you could either cross-reference with another field guide or try a very, very tiny taste for yourself to see if it's um, palatable. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to do it in larger amounts and you definitely don't want to swallow when you're doing something like that. Uh, but that is something that uh, I find kind of confusing between different guidebooks. They'll say uh, shaggy parasols are not edible and their reasoning isn't ever really explained. So it's it's just because it has uh, an unstable toxin in it that has to be cooked out. and But they, they don't even want to consider it edible at all. Air on the side so. of caution in that case, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's like totally. inky caps are technically as edible as shaggy parasols. Or do you mean shaggy manes? Or shaggy manes, yeah. But they're really mm. hard to cook with because they just turn into a black ooze. So like very sim same family. They're very, very similar but mm -hmm. the the inky caps will just turn into this nasty black ooze if not done, I think, when they're super, super young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you want to eat any kind of caprinus when they're before they hit maturity because the moment they hit mature, maturity, they're going to do something called deliquescing, which is basically they just turn into ooze. Yeah. So fascinating, but um, not super appealing to yeah. eat. You don't really that want point. that on your dinner plate. <laughs> no. Nope. That's one I haven't delved into. I'm like, oh, I feel like I want to wait for somebody who knows what to do with it first. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I could I could tell you I have, and they're not horrible, but they inky caps are conditionally edible. So you do have to avoid consuming alcohol uh, within a few days, both before and after consuming the mushrooms. Oh, see? Oh. No, there's, there's other things like that that you have to consider. Oh, my word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. there's lots of little asterisks and all these all these field guides and stuff. Right. I wanted to touch on how even if it's not a concern about whether it's poisonous or not, like whether it's edible, you should still mm. only have like a small amount the first time because yes. you've never eaten that before. You might be allergic. <laughs> Some yeah, people have better tolerance than others. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And for some types of mushrooms as well, it's it's not so much of how allergic you are to it. It's more of the, the quantity, like of the buildup of eating that mushroom. Mm -hmm. So you can get sick after an hour of eating it, or you can get sick a week after eating it. Yeah, so important to be careful. I would love to go looking for chaga in the winter. <laughs> Apparently, like January, February is the time to go. Oh, interesting. Partly because no one else is looking <laughs> for anything at that yeah. time. Yeah, that's like the deadiest dead of winter. Yeah. And apparently chaga, because it, it's fine all year. It doesn't matter when you get it. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. like a warmer day in January, February, apparently is a good time to go find chaga. And Ooh. it's like, I don't know why. It's like my my goal mushroom, <laughs> my goal fungus. Really? Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't they grow on incredibly old trees, though? They grow on dying birch. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to look it up. When I was at the, the Great Alberta Mushroom Foray, there was a, a couple that brought some chaga in, and they passed a bunch out to everyone. What? Um, yeah, so I have a little bit, and I don't really intend to use it. You're just going to hold on to it and look at how pretty it is? Well, it was actually really funny. Um, we There was a guest mycologist who was more focused on the, the uh, toxicology of mushrooms, um, but someone asked him right at the end uh, what his opinions were on chaga and other medicinal conks and things like that. And he said, oh, I don't pay any of, them, any of them mind because you're better off taking the bark from the birch or whatnot and, and just using that as your medicinal um, ingredient because the mushroom itself is only taking the, the fibers and the medicinal stuff from the tree. So it's, it's in some way distilling it. He seemed very pessimistic about eating any kind of mushroom or anything like that. So I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but I was just kind of going to use it as a trophy, more or less. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I hear it tastes good, though. Like, doesn't chaga just taste really nice as a tea? I would love to shave off a little bit and, you know, return some results, because I I haven't, I wasn't really intending to use it other than anything um, but a trophy. So maybe I will try it. Yeah, well, if you do, let me know. Yeah, and I'd be honestly happy to give you the rest of the, the little chunk that I've got. I want the trophy, you know? Do you know what I mean? Aw, yeah. I mean, I would love to try it, just to try it, but I still I still just want to, like, go and get the trophy. It's like the hunt. True. But yeah, if you want to go out just like the two of us sometime, you let me know. Yeah. We can go out and go mushroom hunting. That would be great, because this chaga stuff just looks, I, I swear I've seen it around. It just looks like it's a burnt... Yeah, every time I look, I never find it. But then people are like, oh, I found it over here. And I'm like, what? That's ah, too late oh. now. Or uh, I've been told, like, you often will find it, like, 30 feet off the ground. And so how the mm. heck are you going to get it? I don't know. I am I want to do the hunt. I got some honey mushrooms from Harlack, actually. Ooh. Yeah, so there was some there. And I bet there's more. But I basically filled my backpack with what I could carry. <laughs> and then so oh I stopped gosh. looking. <laughs> That's what you want. That's awesome. And then I dried them and got like a total of two jars. <laughs> I'm just like, they shrank yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, I filled up like a whole tote bag of honey mushrooms. And I just filled up, yeah, basically a small mason jar after I dried them yesterday. Yeah. <sighs> it's just like, is that all? I did all that work for this. <laughs> it's okay. I'm probably eating way more mushrooms than I normally would because mushrooms. We've mentioned how important it is to identify the mushrooms Mm -hmm. because there are some that could literally kill you. So where where would someone go to learn more? Because I feel like this is not the kind of thing you want to YouTube. No, um, and it's not something that you want to just uh, go to a Facebook group to confirm either because... It really is sometimes down to the difference between the the color of the spores. And that's not something that you can notice right in the field right away. So um, I would definitely recommend uh, familiarizing yourself with the fungi in the neighborhood, in your area. Um, Join your local mycological society if you can. 
uh, you can Google for your own local mycological society if you do not live within Alberta, but the AMS is albertamushrooms.ca. I have gone out with the Mycological Society. Mm -hmm. It's definitely very informative, and I've learned so much from the Mycological Society. So I would highly recommend anyone who has any interest in mushroom picking at all to join up with them. Yeah, absolutely. And any kind of uh, society in that regard would be a nonprofit as well. So uh, I know for sure that the Alberta Mycological Society is very interested in new members, particularly enthusiastic new members uh, who want to get involved and help. They're looking for foray leaders and uh, board members as well. So these societies and these groups are looking for people to uh, join their community. Yeah, and it is a lot of fun. So anyone out there even sort of thinking about it should really reach out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's probably mycological societies all over. I can't Everywhere, imagine. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. Imagine there's, there's yeah. one where you are if you are not in Alberta. So check it out. Mm -hmm. Learn from real people and learn everything because there is a lot to know. But if you do learn it all, there's food everywhere that you can just go find in your backyard. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mel. No yeah. worries. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you all to our listeners as well for tuning in today. And thank you to Change Toothpaste who sponsor this podcast and make it free to do because Emily and I are volunteers and podcasting is not free. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at becominglesspod, email us at becominglesspod at gmail.com, or go to wastefree.ca slash becominglesspod for all the ways to connect and listen or to donate to support waste reduction efforts here in Edmonton, Alberta. Until next time, we can all be a little less than we were yesterday. My cat's making a racket.